This is this is a like we get the impression during the setup. This is going to be a you know it's going to be a banger. This Big is gonna be a huge party, rocking party. Uh, you down for the party? They're all excited. Can't wait for the boss to leave. We mm-hmm. get some shenanigans where they're like creeping after the boss, making sure he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just four dudes throwing a bachelor party. It's, it's four a, dudes it, hanging out yeah, drinking. Yeah, it's a sad, sad, ugly little bachelor party that yeah. they throw. But they seem to be very enthused about it, though. It's time to watch a movie. You've never seen There might be some ninjas Or a crazy death machine But there'll be smiles And there'll be tears You won't watch another movie For about 800 years It's time for death Bye, video. Time for death. Bye, video. With Phil and Kit and Lillian and Graham. He's booming in deep. Uh, and welcome back to Death by Video. I'm Graham. I'm Kit. I'm Phil. And we are joined again by the Soviet Union's finest export, the one and only Cuban singing sensation. Lillian, cha-cha-cha. Nice. <laughs> and we are gathered here, first of all, happy Can- Canadian Thanksgiving. It is, uh, well, when we're recording this, this is October 9th. It'll probably come out sometime in December. <sighs> Based on our <laughs> recent schedule, yes. Um, um, but yeah, hopefully, the, the, I'm hoping, aiming to have all the October episodes out during October. Again, sorry guys for the delay. It's totally my fault. I uh, work is taking up too much of my time, and I like to make sure that these episodes are good. And yeah. well, then maybe we should pretend there's no outside. Hmm. Pretend no outside world. Keep in line. With, yeah. Uh, that's 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 my usual day to day. I just try to pretend it doesn't exist. The outside world. Yeah. I just nodded into the mic. Mm-hmm. No, I got that. That's why I said yeah. Um, all right, guys. So this is Canadian Thanksgiving, which is, and before I, we hear from our American listeners, no, Thanksgiving is not an American holiday. It's, shockingly enough, the one you celebrate in November is reference to the Pilgrims and their uh, their first successful year in North America. Ours actually references a disastrous attempt to find a Northwest Passage through the Arctic, which actually happened 100 years before the Pilgrims landed in America. And the... Um, the people on that excursion uh, started off with three ships, only came back with one, and then settled in Labrador, killed a bunch of deer, and ate them, and that was their Thanksgiving. So that's what this reference is. It's a bit more of a metal holiday than we all sat down to table. It's like we survived death in the Arctic, and then we killed some animals and ate them in front of each other. Kind of like what we do now. It's still a harvest feast. but Yeah. Harvest of sorrow. Although it's more uh, KVLT. Uh... There needs to be a Canadian Thanksgiving movie. Like there are multiple mm-hmm. American Thanksgiving movies, but not a Canadian Thanksgiving movie I can think of. Because it's too close to Halloween. That's true. By the way, the people on I think Bartlett Avenue, there there's this amazing. Oh street. yeah, they're they're real keeners. Oh yeah, they have like such a great display. Uh, cheers to them at six ninety nine Bartlett Avenue. You guys are uh, are kings in my opinion. They should uh, let those nines hang, I and mean, be six six six. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 666 is the badge number of the police officer in the film we're going to watch tonight. It is not. First of all, we should welcome Kit back. He is safely, safely returned from the Himalayas. Welcome back, Kit. 
Kit, you are amazing. Yeah. You are greatly missing the Maniac Cop episode. It's, I, it's, yeah. a, it's a short episode. I realize that if we lose any single element of us, um, the episodes wind up being a lot shorter. So I'm glad I, we are all I, here I, I today. I tend to think that I elongate each each episode with yeah. needless uh, needless digressions. And then and I tangents. argue with you. and Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I what have I watched since the last time we recorded? Oh, the new Blade Runner. It's good. Go see oh. it. I still need to see that. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's a, uh, it is a challenging movie. I'd be willing to go see it again. It is a long movie, but I saw it uh, on Friday opening day in IMAX. And the funny thing that I realized is that there's a date in it that's o six ten, twenty one. And I realized, and I was thinking like, why is that so familiar? And then I'm like, October sixth. Oh my god, they put the release date in the movie. <laughs> that's so clever. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I'm not going to spoil the movie other than it's it, it it's good standing. it's good to see an adult movie again. Like for grown-ups where like not everything is laid out. They have there's certain mysteries that are still mysteries, there's certain and they raise new issues and you're just like, "Oh my god, I didn't even consider that." And now you have to deal with that. Like I walked out being like, "Now like that was awesome." And more like, "I need to think about this." So, go see Blade Runner 2049. The Gaz is great as always. I'm a big fan of that guy. Harrison Ford actually stammers a little enthusiasm this time which is great um and uh there is a cameo from sean young nice which broke my heart it's good to see her getting work again it did it I did just big fan of sean young big fan she was in that film darling that came out last year i haven't seen it yet go kid yes did harry dean stanton make it into this movie Oh wait, he wasn't in the original. I know. I was like, I'm thinking of. Who I'm, he? You know what I'm thinking of? What? Alien? Escape from L.A. Escape from Escape from New York. <laughs> yeah. No. Sorry. It's Blade a, Runner it's 2049, the weirdest sequel to Escape bit, from New York. Bit of a Thanksgiving hangover, folks. I've been, <laughs> I've been in the Himalayas, and things are different there. I was wondering if you were thinking of Edward James Olmos. He is in it. I, I often get Harry Dean Stanton and Edward James almost. It's the enough, three name thing, really. There, there is one scene where there's an old man sitting in the background. And I'm just like, is that Harry Dean Stanton? But they never cut it to a close up. So maybe it was. Maybe he just hung out for the day. He was known to just do daily work uh, for money because he was all about the money. That that would really redeem my uh, flub there. So I hope. Yeah, it's, I it, hope pro- it's him. It, it could be. It could be. Yeah, lots of great stuff to chew on. Um, good to be back in that world again. Just love that world. Oh, I cursed. I try not to say the F word on this podcast. You guys can curse up a storm, but I try. Okay, to. we'll do. Has anyone seen anything else interesting since uh, since I hogged the mic? Lillian, you saw the Japanese film House, or as I like to call it, Hose, um, on, uh, <laughs> on Friday Night Night, which I sadly it's had to miss. One. I was at the theater beforehand, but I had to go because I, uh, I had to travel to Cornwall. But uh, what did you think of Hose? Oh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um... From the get-go and just throughout, it had really uh, awesome. It made you laugh. It made you feel. It was cool. And the music was really great, and I really enjoyed it. I, I strongly recommend it. <laughs> I'm so bummed I missed it. It only played twice in Toronto. played on Friday night. played on Sunday, and I was out of town for both. So I'm very distraught about it. How's it? Such a great title. Um, Philip, you haven't seen anything interesting? I just caught the first episode of season one of The Exorcist. Um, I. It's a good show. Yeah, good. I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. Um, 
I, I, I have a pretty long queue right now of things I need to watch. And yeah, it just popped up on Netflix Canada, I believe. Yes, it did. And by the way, cheers to our federal liberal government for um, uh, giving... They're basically earmarking half a million... Half a billion dollars for Canadian content uh, to be generated. Specifically to go to Netflix, because it's got the widest reach in Canada. But it's not Netflix-owned programming. It's programming to be developed for Netflix, but then it can go into ancillary markets like theatrical or physical media DVDs. So cheers to to our liberal government. I'm going to take so much crap on the internet because of this from both the left wing and the right. But I think this was a correct move. They canceled, they sadly had to cancel the Much Fact uh, grant program that funded uh, Canadian music videos. Boo! I'm yes. canceling that. I know, boo! <laughs> but you know, Metric can pay for their own music videos now. It's true. Yeah. So can uh, Simple Social Plan. Scenes and Plant Headley. Headley are making music videos again. Those guys are old. And On our tax dollars, I know. Yeah. So I'm kind of okay with much fact being... If Headley and Metric never get to... It's their Ben Mulroney connection, yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 Mm. Mm. Sorry, guys. We went political. Maybe I'll cut this out. Maybe I won't. Kit, have you seen anything interesting since the last time? Uh, not much. I, I tried to get back into Curb Your Enthusiasm because, um, I guess it's airing again. Mm-hmm. So New season. I dropped off somewhere season four. Mm-hmm. I stopped watching it because it just got too annoying to me. Yeah. But everybody loves that show so much, and everybody's enthusiastic about it returning, and I was like, maybe I need to give it a second chance, and I don't want to start again from season four, so I, I dipped in, I started at season six. Good. Is it the Seinfeld episode? Season? No, unfortunately not. It's oh. the season before that. Um, Larry adopts a black family displaced by a oh, hurricane. Oh, right, right, right. And that's when J.B. Smooth gets introduced. And J.B. Smooth is awesome. J.B. Smooth, show. his... Okay, so that's yeah. where his character yeah. comes yeah. from. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I wasn't really enjoying that season. It was like, this is silly. Skip ahead to seven. Seven's I good. skipped ahead to seven, and I'm all the better for it. J.B. Smooth is still just hanging out and yep. just like, yeah, he's just his buddy. They just make an him. excuse for his character going forward, and we don't have this yeah. weirdness with Larry adopting a black family and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just strange. The jokes yeah. just weren't hitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I sort of dropped off around like season five, so like roughly the same place. I, although I did watch the Michael J. Fox episode, which I think was in season eight, and that one's a gem. I look forward to that one. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of season seven, the Seinfeld reunion, which featured the most mind-melting moment in history, where a fictionalized version of Larry David portrayed a fictionalized version. No, oh, sorry, the real Larry David played a fictionalized version of Larry David. Playing a fictionalized version of Larry David, pretending to be a fictionalized version of Larry David. It hurts my brain to try and unwrap that. I remember that episode. That one I also caught. Little anything else besides Hauser that you've seen in the last uh, little while? Uh, yeah, a movie called Dreamland. And then a movie called... The next day I watched a movie called uh, Strangerland. Strangerland? Strangerland. Strangerland. And how where, where were they from? Um, with Nicole Kidman and uh, Agent from Matrix. What's his name? Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Yeah, it was an Australian, uh, full Australian yeah. cast. Is uh, like an older Australian movie or it's more no, recent? No, it's though? 2015 oh, oh, wow. actually. Yeah. Nicole Kidman's playing Nicole being Kidman. an Australian again. Yeah, yeah. Just lo- yeah, I love her. Um, and Dreamland was about a pianist guy who got on on different gigs and he met a rich lady who wanted to support him and he had this dream of opening a piano bar and uh, I forget the, I, the the people in that one uh, aren't very uh, well known. No, it's more of an independent feature? I guess. Cool. 
thought the reason I remembered those is because of their titles. Dreamland and then the next night, Strangerland. I was like, nice, mm, yeah. What's next? Yeah, because I was thinking like the D. Snyder horror movie, Strangeland. Yeah, yeah that's what I was thinking of too. Yeah. But yeah. Kid is shaking. title a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Kid is shaking his head at that the Snyder Strangeland movie. Yeah, don't don't I, I don't don't, seen it. don't watch it. I saw about twenty minutes of it and I was like, I've I've seen enough. But um, so tonight we are watching in in case you guys haven't figured out the pattern yet, we watched Maniac Cop. We're watching tonight Mania or Psycho Cop two. We're watching Exorcist three, and then finally Friday the Thirteenth Part four, the final chapter. So we are watching a one two three four five one two three four series, but all of different films that are kind of connected. So. Psycho Cop 2. Do you have any idea what this is about or where it came from? I assume there was a Psycho Cop movie. Whether it's related to the first Psycho Cop movie is highly doubtful considering our track record of sequels that we watch on this podcast and at the movie nights you host. Mm-hmm. It is connected, but it's a, total, a much better film than the first one. And, and what year was it made? So, Psycho Cop Returns... Maniac Cop Cop was 87 or 88. Um, Psycho Cop was, I think, 1990. And then I think Psycho Cop 2 was like 91 or 92. Psycho Cop Returns. Oh, okay. So we're going into the 90s. Yeah. So 90s. I assume this has to do with a uh, a well-functioning police department. uh, Pretty much a straight-up procedural of um, Mm -hmm. day-to-day cop-solving crimes. Lots of paperwork. Yeah, lots of paperwork. I can't wait for the lines. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, interestingly enough, this film was directed by a fellow named Riff Coogan. But Riff Coogan is a pseudonym for another director. That director's name is Adam Rifkin, who has directed Detroit Rock City, The Dark Backward, and a few other films as well. But he developed his Riff Coogan persona because as he was climbing up the ranks of Hollywood in the late 80s, early 90s, he wanted to go off and make like lowbrow, crazy horror movies and comedies, but he didn't want to hurt his brand name of Adam Rifkin, so he became Riff Coogan. Now, one thing to be aware of while this film was coming out is that this film was released just after the Rodney King incident. Keep that in mind while we're watching it. It will pay off. So before we delve into Psycho Cop Returns, does anyone have any, any other questions or thoughts or feelings? R.I.P. Tom Petty. Yes, yeah, Tom Petty passed yes, away. Yes, we, we did have an R.I.P. for Tom Petty during the Maniac Cop episode, so I... But, but it, we we're still in mourning, so. Screw you guys. <laughs> I wasn't there for that. But to be Rest honest, in peace. But to be honest... sweet prince. It's not an R.I.P. unless Kit introduces it, because he is the one that keeps us on our toes with our R.I.P.s. I don't know if I am, but okay. Yeah. Well, you kicked off uh, the time before with uh, Frank Vincent R.I.P. Uh, mm-hmm. When that was overshadowed by other R.I.P.s. Well, we can't we can't forget, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I agree, Frank Vincent and Tom Petty. You don't have to live like a refugee. Was was he ever in Wait, films? Wait, sorry, there? that wasn't him. Petty, that was. Was that Tom Petty? Yeah, refugee is. It's Tom Petty. Tom Petty was in. Uh, he was in the Postman, the Kevin Costner movie. Ah. Which I've never seen, but yeah. he is. In I've it. seen it. Yeah, it's 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 like. Waterworld on land, so it's kind of better. 
<laughs> dry land. <laughs> so it's like the sequel to Waterworld because they find dry land. It's also weird watching post-apocalyptic movies from the 90s because it was after like the fall of the Soviet Union, so there was no real threat to our existence. Unlike now where we're kind of living in like super high-tension times with uh, the orange one in the States, you know, calling upon Cthulhu to guide him to deliver a nuclear apocalypse against the so-called Rocket Man of North Korea. And on that note, we're going to dive into the wacky, crazy world of Psycho Cop Returns, a.k.a. Psycho Cop 2. Can't wait. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Here we go. Let's get our Psycho Cop on. Might even drop some NWA during this podcast. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. Larry and Brian thought they'd planned the perfect bachelor party. They took care of the booze. They took care of the boss. Yes! They took care of the girls. Women, 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 women! They took care of the entertainment. We're here to party! They even took care of the night watchman. The only thing they didn't take care of was him. You boys wouldn't be planning anything illegal. Now they've got an uninvited guest. They just having some fun, hun. Until someone loses an eye. He's a cop. He shoots at people for a living. Chances are he's a little bit strange. <laughs> Psycho Cop 2. You know, I'm beginning to suspect foreplay. Uh, it's nobody looks like. You're drunk and disorderly. Well, hello there, officer. <laughs> You're under arrest. You have the right to remain. Yeah, there's something really wrong. Anything you say can and will be considered extremely strange because you're dead. You have the right to an attorney. Why aren't they dressed? They're dressed. They're just dressed scantily. So maybe I should just let you go with a warning. Let's get the hell out of here. Everything okay up here? Suspect is blonde and considered extremely stupid. You understand these rights? Miles David Dougal as the hapless yuppie nerd. Roderick Darren as the life of the party. 1993 penthouse pet of the year, Julie Strain as the bombshell in the teen leather chaps. Barbara Alexander as ace accountant Sharon Wells. And Bobby Ray Schaefer as Mr. Law Enforcement himself. Police Officer Joe Vickers, at your service. Whatever you do, here's Joey. <laughs> Don't call 911. Just run. I hate to kick a man when he's dead. They just don't put up much of a fight. Psycho Cop 2. And that was Psycho Cop Returns. A.K.A. Psycho Cop 2. Directed by Riff Kubin, A.K.A. Adam Rifkin. So, guys... This is my second time watching it. Your, oh, not second really. I watched it on video way, way back in the day. Um, this was your first time. Oh, I, you, none of you have seen Psycho Cop or Psycho Cop Returns before? Nope. So what did you think of Psycho Cop Returns in all 85 of its glorious minutes? 85 uh, groan-worthy puns. And... But we all laughed, though. 
Yeah, I was I was getting into it. I was all excited about this party <laughs> they were gonna have and this very sad, sad bachelor party. Sad, sad. Uh-huh. If it wasn't broken up by Detective Vickers, it would have been. Or sorry, not Detective. Oh, sorry, Officer Vickers. I realized that I subconsciously took the name of Vickers for a short film that I recently directed, where there's a Detective Vickers. Um, it's weird how stuff sticks in your craw. Like I once wrote a line in. <laughs> yeah. Sticks in your craw. Um, I once wrote a line for a script that I thought was so funny, where it's Are you like. Crotch? No. I just didn't know craw was a euphemism for head. <laughs> yeah, stuck in my craw. Um, and uh, it's the third time I said that line, and the third time it's got laughs. Um, so no, I um I I recently I once wrote a script and I hit the line like where someone's telling a joke. It's like no, but that is a lovely scheme ask. And then I realized that I stole that from Dumb and Dumber. So like I I didn't realize until way after the fact that I stole Vickers from this film, but um, yeah, uh, featuring uh, Bobby Ray Schaefer, uh, who played Bob Vance of Bob Vance Refrigeration in uh, The Office, the American series. Office US. Oh. Mm-hmm. So guys, so beyond Phil, uh, Kit, what is your opinion of this wonderful film? Uh, well, you'll have to explain what what was the first one like. Uh, the first one was not very good. The first okay. one was kind of a slog. He was more of a, a forest ranger, but he played a psycho cop, so a bunch of kids went camping, and he was a satanic cop that was hiding out in the woods and just killed a bunch of kids, and that's that. Was it the same guy? Yeah, same actor. The only returning factor was Bobby Ray Schaefer as uh, Officer Vickers. So was it as, like, um, like knowingly like satirical as this one is? No. Okay. So that's interesting. They picked up a property and they were like, "We're gonna have, we're gonna make a fun mm-hmm. schlock movie." Well, well, I think it'll it be w- the second of, yeah. of its series. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, as we were saying, like while watching it, like this this film definitely did do some limited theatrical release, but it was mostly meant for the VHS market, where Psycho Cop did really really well. Um, the first one that is so like this obviously, and also it was made by you know Adam Rifkin, who had a much more had a better idea of you know, tongue-in-cheekness or, like, you can't make a movie called Psycho Cop Returns and have it be, like, a serious arthouse drama. It has to be well, embrace no, the, yeah. the lunacy and the ludicrousness of it, especially where it's, like, they're taking this character that, from a movie, without, with very little reference or any ties to the original and just throwing him into an office building where a bachelor party is going on and an accountant is working late and two people are having an affair on their respective spouses in the copy room. Yeah, the the beginning was great, wasn't it? Um, the I'm not talking about the opening, which was before those opening credits uh, came on. That was pretty cool. But I'm talking about. Oh no, no, that that was it. Sorry. So the opening when they're in the, when they're in the coffee, coffee shop? shop in the coffee shop, and they like zoom in on uh, this cop eating a donut, and it gets really quiet, and and those two guys are talking about this party that the they're going to throw. throw. Yeah. And then they just get like ta- taunted by this cop. Uh, this one guy is all anxious yeah. throughout the whole movie, and just every character had their had their thing. And yeah, he's got the worst like coke paranoia ever. That one character who's like the the I'm nebbish the needles the whole time. Just for just for even like being in the in the in the coffee shop when the guy's like, and you've got the grass. And he's like, shut up! Oh my god! 
And every time, like, he walked, exited and entered the room, he was just like, I don't know what's going on. It's fantastic. Yeah, there's there's no likable characters in this film at all. But uh, turns out he well, was right. Well, I guess maybe the, um, the accountant. The accountant. I was going to say the accountant. Yeah. yeah, she was the only one she's that was like. She's supposed to be, but yeah. she's more of just like a blank canvas. Um, really not much of a character herself. Really? She stood up to the dude. She worked late on her own accord. She got where she got because of her work ethic, not because of her looks. Um, yeah. Uh, sure. The nebbish dweed mailed off the marijuana before the cop could catch him. Yeah, anyway, they were all uh, disagreeable characters. Him him especially, and he was supposed to be like, I don't know, the smarter the one. The dweeb? Yeah. I don't he think was he's supposed sweaty to be smarter. And pale and I just think just he's supposed irritating. to be the, the killjoy of the group. Um, and they're all pretty terrible people. And this whole thing, I, I thought at first that maybe it was one of those Playboy Channel movies, like Hard Ticket to Hawaii or something like Hard that. Hard Ticket to Hawaii was not a Playboy Channel movie. What was it again? It was a direct-to-video movie. But wasn't it like, uh, it had something to do with Playboy, didn't it? No, the, originally the director of it, Andy Sedaris, he had a deal with Playboy to do oh, okay. That's movies featuring, uh, uh, action films featuring Playboy Playmates. However, when Hugh Hefner saw that it wasn't uh, just softcore pornography and it was actually action films but with boobs, um, Hugh Hefner was like, no, 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 we gotta make them, the, the boobs are the focus, not the action. And Andy Sedaris was like, why can't it be both? Um, this is not one of those films, though, no. It, it seems similar to that, kind of. It's like poking it does. fun at that. So it's Julie like a- Strain, who's in this film, uh, she a notable many, many B-movie films from the 90s. She was actually in some of the Andy Sedaris productions, the later ones. Um, she was in uh, Return to Savage Beach and Fit to Kill. Is she the one who played the accountant lady? No, no, she was the cowgirl. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she's billed in the opening credits as 1990-something or other. 93, which is interesting because this movie came out in 1992. Uh, Whoa. Some time travel was afoot. Well, maybe the pets are like cars. They're released the year before. I could... Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. That's- anyway, this this film to me had a very, uh, I guess, a penthouse aesthetic. Like, just all the casting and everything to it. Like, you could see this being like a Playboy or penthouse film with... with dialogue and stuff like that just as terrible <laughs> and cheesy you know but, all the jokes just not funny but, they, but, but they were purposely almost, not they, funny yeah, like purposely not fun. so I know, no, I I know. That, that, that's the great thing it's like Detective Vickers was constantly making like Freddy Krueger style one liners but they were just like dropping like lead balloons yeah it was all groaners every single joke mm. what was that that one like but, 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 they, but it's taken to a literal level because he's just cracking the punchlines at without an audience because when he's talking to himself yeah or yes. a dead body where it's like you have the right to remain dead Anything you say would be considered extremely strange because you're dead. Um, and he's by himself. He's just talking yeah, to himself, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like he's just ad-libbing as well. I liked when uh, he shot the guy in the head and then he leaned up and licked the wound. The blood coming out from, uh, from the hole and says, Ooh, you've got shit for brains. Yeah, this movie relies heavily on fax machines, but nobody yeah. uses the fax machine properly. No, not at all. Yeah, they all have their, their their paper going in face up, which would result in a lot of blank pages. This film was like clearly made before someone thought, like, this cell phone technology, it's not taking off fax machines, though. Every teenager is going to want a fax machine. Before email. Yeah. But the only thing ever faxed was faces and a badge, but that's it. It's just faces. Yep. And the one time he faxed an image of a face with the driver's license across the forehead, and everyone's like, I wonder what that means. I guess it means, you know, don't drink and drive, but it was really covering up the bullet hole in the middle of the guy's forehead so that they wouldn't realize anything was wrong. So, guys, should we 
take everyone through this film. I think I want to start off because I, I really want to get into this film. Yeah, there's not so, much to summarize. Really. It's 85 minutes of awesome. Um, Kit's just like... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's, there's he's like, smirking, nodding, and like kind of shrugging his shoulders all at once. Um, yeah, there's about two minutes worth of summarization to do. I liked it. I didn't think they were these bad guys. I felt for them. They're having, they're throwing this party, and uh, this fucking psycho cop just has to come in and ruin it. <laughs> if, if you can't, you, well, you guys can't see it, but I'm just in pointing a, in a fun way. I am pointing to Lillian with great pride. Fine. Um, so it starts in a coffee shop. Where else would it be? Where uh, Detective or Officer Vickers is having himself a cup of coffee and a donut. Well. Two office drones are quote-unquote cool guy who's almost a John Stamos stand-in and our Rick Moranis stand-in, the aforementioned uh, coke paranoid guy. And kind of looks like Amy Schumer. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the John Stamos stand-in kind of looks a little bit like Amy, Amy Schumer, Schumer in a weird way. He's actually got, like, the perfect Buzz Lightyear face. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if you think of Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story, that's exactly how he looks. And I think yeah. they might have even modeled the character after this guy. I just got, like, that 80s, like, Stephen Harper hair as well. Mm-hmm. The, the very late 80s Stephen Harper hair, because, like, in yes. early 80s, oh, you yeah. would have more of, like, a slick Donald Trump type yes, deal. Yes, because this is, like, this is, like, the Steve Harper era. This is, like, ref- yeah. this is like Steve, uh, reform Steve Steve Harper. Harper. Oh, yeah, Harper. He, he was going as Steve Harper, yeah. When he was hip, young, cool Steve Harper. <laughs> just out there in his, like, double-breasted suits, being like, I'm the coolest guy in 1992. <laughs> I never held a job. I only interned at IBM. What, what? Steve Harper. Um, this is the heyday of Preston Manning. Yeah. I was thinking about him this weekend. Like, that, like, if I saw Why? him in person, what would I do? And I'm like, I don't want to say I'd spit in his face, but I couldn't say I couldn't. Sorry, he's our former prime minister for those foreign uh, listeners. And Nine he, um, years. He did a bad job. He just did not, um, didn't really manage our economy well or our resources, and uh, yeah, kind of left us in a rut. Anyways, back to this fine film. Um, yeah, so so Stephen Harper, as I'm going to call him from now on. So Steve Harper is the guy that's really like, I gotta get some. We gotta this. We're gonna go crazy at this bachelor party. All four of us in a room. I don't, I don't know if 16... Steve Harper is good for this because I'm calling him Steve Harper. But Steve Harper was never, even when he tried to be cool, he was never cool. Wait, this guy. This kind guy of... is not cool at all, though. Come no, on. No, I know, but he's the cool guy of the movie. He's he's Mr. Laidback. He's Mr. Badass. Cool. He's getting this party going and pumping, and he's stopping at no. He's got a dimpled chin. I kind of feel. No, I kind of feel like this is Stephen Harper throwing a bachelor party. It's gonna be well. We're gonna do it in our office where we work. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be great. And we're gonna like. I've got this guy. He's gonna fill up his filing cabinet with booze, and it's all gonna be alphabetized in the right order. We got a goat. We got a goat, and he had a sixteen millimeter. And, and I think this is the first time Mister Pins and Needles laughs in in the entire movie. Oh yeah, uh, at the goat line. <laughs> besides in hysterics, probably later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then uh, oh right when he's like. You burst out laughing. You got a goat. Yeah, he or thought that was he thought that was pretty hilarious. Um, so yeah, so Steve Harper and Rick Moranis. They, um, they're planning this party, and Steve Harper is constantly, like, needling him to, like, come on, man, you got the grass, it's good. And then the cop comes over and it's like, now you boys wouldn't be planning thing, anything illegal now, would you? And he's like, no, officer, of course not, ha, ha, ha. And then the officer walks away. Uh, Steve Harper says, like, oh, look at officer inbred. And then we cut to the opening title sequence, which is all inside of um, Officer Vickers' car, which is full of body parts. <laughs> front of that is badge number 666 obviously and it's just 
His license plate's upside down as well. Mm-hmm. It's like a 999 that became a 666. And then we're in the... Just body parts all over, coming out of the glove compartment, in the ashtray, just all over the car. Oh, yeah. And so where do we go from there then, Kit? Um, well, they just go, we just go to the office. And there you can see the, the drawer full of booze and stuff like that. And they're, they're oh, yeah, walking through the office. Their work day is commencing. Work yeah. day is commencing, and they're all these terrible, like, sweaty office guy men. Office and guy men. And then they're uh, sucking up to their crank boss who's mm. fed up with their the uh, brown nosing. Yeah. He doesn't pay for any overtime whatsoever, so you clock out at quitting time. Um, and then uh, we're also introduced to a, uh, a couple of people who hang out in the coffee ro- copy room quite a bit, who are, we both learn, are married, but not to each other, like an Ashley Madison ad, and are having an affair in the office, which is why they hang out all day in the copy room and all night in the copy room. And then our accountant, who is played by... No one. No one. Barbara Nevin. <laughs> Actually, Barbara Nevin is her name, and plays the, the actress. And uh, Rod Schweitzer uh, plays Lawrence, aka Larry, who is our Steve Harper. Uh, Miles Douglas plays Brian, who is our cooked up uh, nervous guy. And then there's Nick uh, Valonia as Michael, who I don't know who it is. Dave Bean is Gary. John Paxton is Frederick Stone Cipher, who is our lead. Um, and yeah, a bunch of other people. Anyways, there was a John Lovettsy guy too. He was one of those. I oh yeah, I think that's, maybe he's Michael. I think he's Michael. Yeah, Michael and Gary, the John Lovitz type. So, anyways, the um, the bachelor party consists of the four office drones, a 16 millimeter projector with an old stag film running through it that looks not very enticing. It's just a dude with a bad afro wig and a bad mustache with two girls dancing around him. And then three uh, exotic dancers show up, one of whom is played by Julie Strain, and two others, I uh, unfortunately don't know their names. This is, this is a, like, we get the impression during the setup, this is going to be a, you know, it's going to be a banger. This Big is going to be a huge party. rockin' party. Uh, you're down for the party, they're all excited, can't wait for the boss to leave. We mm-hmm. get some shenanigans where they're, like, creeping after the boss, making sure he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just four dudes throwing a bachelor party. It's, it's four a, dudes it, hanging out, drinking. Yeah, it's a sad, sad ugly little bachelor party that yeah. they throw. <laughs> but they seem to be very enthused about it, though. Um, and then, of course, the psycho cop shows up. He dispatches of the... Well, after they bribe the night, the watchman. night watchman. Gus, yeah. Poor Gus. Oh, poor Gus. What's the fuss? And then there's, like, the musical cues, like, they bring their own hair metal, the strippers, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. while going up the elevator. Uh, up the elevator, yeah. And every time the elevator stops, the music just spills out onto yeah. the floor, which alerts our intrepid... Um, our intrepid... Uh, accountant uh, Barbara Nevin about it, and also our um, our couple that are having an affair in the copy rooms. That, that's the result of that one bad joke in the elevator. Which is? Um, he's like he hits the top button, I think, and he's like to the top of the shaft. And then the stripper girl's in there. She's like, I want to go all the way up the shaft, and she, and hits, she hits all, all the, the buttons. buttons. Yeah, and that's the joke. Again, they knew these weren't funny when they made this movie. No one could play with that amount of dedication to something that was that bad. So anyways, we are... Uh, Gus is watching the baseball game. The guys are having a rowdy time up, upstairs. The adulterers are having adultery. And the accountant is working diligently. And then there's a knock at the door. And the um, the security guard, Gus, goes up. And it's Officer Vickers. And he's like, Oh, I heard that there was a disturbance here. Anything true? No. No disturbance. And he's like, Oh, okay. Is that the game? Yeah. Can I watch it? I haven't. I can't get it in my squad car. So he goes in and starts watching the bottom of the ninth of the baseball game. 
And then through casual, um, you know, just discussions like, oh, the guys up on 11 are throwing a little bachelor party. No one's getting hurt. And then the cop is like, well, I think that would be against company policy. And then the security officer is like, uh, I don't really read company policy. And I don't really care. It's all fun. And then Detective or Officer Vickers is holding a pencil. And then he says famously, oh, yeah, it's all fun and games. Until someone loses an eye. And he stabs him in the eye with a pencil. And that's the end of Gus. Kit's shaking his head in agreement that it's great. And he leaves Gus by asking him to keep an eye out. Oh, snap. <laughs> keep yeah, an eye out. He often does go for two jokes. He, like, just in case the first one doesn't land, I guess. So anyways, one by one, the, the bros kind of, like, slip away to, like, be like, hey, what's going on? And then uh, Officer Vickers dispatches them. And then more craziness ensues. Take it away, Phil. Uh, yeah. I'd... Take it away, Lil. <laughs> uh, what? He killed Gus. Gus is gone, and then Michael's one next. One, all... Oh yeah, Michael. Uh, Michael goes downstairs. Did we see him? Did you describe him wiggling out of the elevator and stuff? Yeah, he's the John Lobis type that gets stuck in the elevator. He wiggles his mm-hmm. way out. He meets Officer Vickers, who he thinks is Gus. He doesn't even know what Gus looks like, even though he's been working in this office building for over ten years. And uh, the uh, detective Vic- or Officer Vickers convinces them that, like, no, he is Gus. And uh, Michael goes. And uh, big apologies, guys. Um, we had a card full issue. The card actually wasn't full. I just had to clear some data. And we are recording again. Hey. So um, let's jump ahead to the, uh, the elephant in the room. So uh, Officer Vickers dispatches of... Um, of uh, all three ladies of the evening, including Julie Strain. And um, we are left with who we think is only the um, the accountant left alive, Barbara Nevin. And uh, uh, she, you know, hits Officer Vickers with an axe, pushes him down an elevator shaft, burns him, um, and then thinks it's done. Then, oh my God, what's his face? Uh, Brian is still alive. He's the coked up weirdo. Um... He has, he's, that actor is the goofiest, too. Yeah. He keeps on doing these cartoonish... Even when he dies, he's just like, I can't believe this is happening! I am dead now! Yeah. We see him running at one point, and he really does, like, a cartoon, yeah. like, knees high up in the air. I, like, yeah, I think he understood what he was in. Everyone else was kind of trying to play it straight, especially the other office guys. And I think playing he, it straight makes it... I don't know. What do I know? And he shouts uh, that he was right. All along, he was right, and yeah, he's when, never right, and he's right, and he, I, even they, earlier uh, in this podcast, I said he was right all along to be paranoid about this cop. Because oh, yeah, your classic thing where he's always... Um, he's the boy who cries wolf. Yeah, but he's always joined at the hip with friggin' um, dimple chin there. Steve Harper? Sure. I still don't like that <laughs> characterization. Lawrence but, is his name, um, yeah. Larry. Um, and he's always trying to convince him that something awful's happening, and Larry keeps on blowing him off, being like, "Come on, let's party, man! Let's just go it's with all about it." The party. Um, it's all about the party. There's even a close-up shot of this nebbish guy. I think Brian is his name, with like mm-hmm. tits in his face, and he's like, <laughs> "Well, he's he's very concerned that something else is going to happen." And to be honest, while he was looking away from the from the, the view in front of him, he did notice that a some someone fell by the window, which is when uh, Officer Vickers was on the roof and killed uh, Gary, who's getting married, and the dancer who was with him, who, whose name I believe was Lisa. Um, he threw Lisa. He killed Gary, arrested him. That's where he did the whole, like, you have the right to remain dead. You're under arrest. You have the right 
to remain dead. Anything you say can and will be considered extremely strange because you're dead. Then he uh, he decided to let Lisa go with a warning, and let it by letting her go, he threw her off the building, and she fell into a dumpster, which closed. And then he said, "Like you act like trash, you're gonna be treated like trash." Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. true. And then he might even throw another garbage pun in there just for funsies. I'm yeah, not sure. Exactly. He's that kind of a comedian. Yeah, he likes to double and triple up. <laughs> just in case you weren't sure what kind of movie this was, and that's the kind of movie this is. Yeah. But it's yep. great, though, guys. We They're were all chuckling and enjoying home. it. Yeah. Yeah, he was Mr. Straight Arrow. But anyway, to get back to uh, the Brian... Anyway, he goes yes. looking for his friends, the ones that are missing at one point, and he can't find them. And then he... Um, worries and he says aloud that he thinks they've been killed and then of course his buddy doesn't believe him and then finally there's like a pentagram on the ceiling or something like that is drawn in blood they do this big tease where it's like oh I bet they're hiding their bodies in this filing cabinet and they go to open it and nothing's in there and the guys and Brian and Lawrence aka Steve Harper is just like see what I tell you everything was fine just like Stephen Harper with our economy and then he um, (laughs) he uh He's like, see, everything's fine. And all of a sudden, there's blood dripping from the ceiling. And he looks up, and it's a pentagram. And just like the conservative budget, oh my it God. reveals all these dead bodies <laughs> that fall down on top of him. And all of a sudden, Steve Harper is smothered in dead bodies that he ignored. If he had only just done a little bit of due diligence, would not have been dead. Much like our former prime minister. How thinly are we going to stretch this? <laughs> Very. <laughs> We're talking wax paper thin here, guys. Oh, man. So then, um, oh, uh, oh, when uh, Officer Vickers kills uh, Steve Harper, Steve Harper like shoves a desk into him, and then he, sh- then Officer Vickers shoves the desk back into Steve Harper and crushes him. And Officer Vickers says, "I said I would never take a desk job." <laughs> oh, sorry, we, we're never finishing a story here. I've noticed with no. this with this podcast, but I was trying to explain how we got to Lillian's. Like, see, I was right. I'm oh, finally yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Because then, when the bodies do finally drip down, and then um, Buddy right. Old Chiselchin there, who you call Steve, Steve Harper, Harper, he's covered in bodies, and he's he's calling for help. Oh yeah, and and, and his buddy his Brian is just like, see, I'm never right, but now I'm right. Oh my god, I'm right. He screams hysterically too, yeah. like almost off-puttingly. So yeah. Really though, was I, I, it off-putting for well, him? Though? Well, uh, yeah, like Steve, me, and, and Steve, yeah. and Steve Harper's way more on edge than Brian is because, like, Brian's like having his smug moment mm-hmm. of righteousness in like a moment yeah. of tension. Mm-hmm. He is kind of like the press. He's kind of like how do I put this? He's kind of like the Andrew Shear to to, <laughs> to, to, to Steve Harper because Steve Harper's under a pile of bodies while Andrew Shear's just seeing like, see, I knew this was gonna happen. I knew it. Yeah, I made that happen. Nice. So anyway. <laughs> so anyways. So then, um, long story short, everyone seemingly is dead. Brian has been, like, shot and hit with an axe, so we assume he's dead. Uh, Barbara Nevin, the accountant, leads Detective Vicker, Officer Vickers, out of the place. He's being She's being chased and, like, like almost being cat. It's a cat and mouse thing where, like, you can tell that Vickers can catch up with her, but... Uh, he's letting her get like just a few feet in front of her to keep up the chase. It's like the world's slowest foot chase. Well, they're both tired, man. It's been a long night, and she is in heels, so it's cut her true. some slack, Phil. Jeez. Um, and uh, then he finally gets a hold of her in front of this sports bar where a where a rainbow of uh, ethnicity is kind of hanging out, having a pint at like two a.m. in the morning. Like, yeah, the team was good. Game was it's good. A, it's a baseball bar, yeah. And then the bartender notices, hey. 
that cop's doing something to that lady out there. So the bartender then distributes bats and sticks to everyone in the bar. They all go outside to be like, hey, man, no matter what she did, you, you shouldn't be, like, beating her up like that. And the cop is like, stay back. And um, then they all gang up at once and just start beating the crap out of them. A, uh, a ponytail dirtbag up on the roof notices this, grabs his video camera, starts video cameraing it, and we realize this is actually a commentary on the Rodney King beating. But it is apparent at one point because, like, they're beating um, Psycho Cop, mm-hmm. and they say "stay down," and that was a crucial part of the Rodney King video. Yeah, exactly. So, guys, how do we all feel twenty-five years later about the Rodney King situation in Psycho Cop? Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it back because I'm brown. Not in reality, because we all know how we feel about that. But I just think, I think that this film, again, is a dumb, dumb movie with lots of great jokes we all laughed at, but... <laughs> yeah. It has that little, like, political plot little, little, twist. Just a little, little, yeah. little paprika sprinkled yes. on of, of uh, political intrigue that made, I think, it all the worthwhile. I, finally enough, thought it had to do with uh, how he was beaten up when he was... Because he did talk about a time earlier where he was ganged up on and left to left for dead, and the person he was speaking to thought he was talking about somebody else because he mentioned that this person went on to kill a lot of people. And he's like, "No, you're mistaken. I'm Joe Vickers. I'm that guy." Mm-hmm. That was actually referencing to Psycho Cop One when the uh, the campers all teamed up and like impaled him with a stick. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so then after that, it's captured on the news, and we find out that um, Brian and uh, Barbara Nevin are in the hospital, and Brian's being forced with being fed uh, paste or tapioca or something. And they all kind of crack a little joke. Uh, like, oh, would this be covered by workers' comp? Ha, 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 ha. That's and the ben, second time yeah, and Brian, But Brian's also, like, high on laughing gas, it seems. Yeah, but, every, but then even the nurse joins in on yeah. laughing it up, and they all laugh up, have a good laugh. We pull out, and then we see these police officers guarding... A room 666. Oh, Oh, guess who's in there? It's Officer Joe Vickers. And anyways, it ends with uh, a bunch of cops going in and a nurse and a doctor. And then we hear some dogs barking for some reason. And then uh, Joe Vickers emerges in hospital scrubs and walks off into the distance. Cue the credits. So I think we can be safe to say that the impending sequel was Psycho Nurse, but it never happened Psycho male nurse. Or psycho scrub. Psycho scrubs. So guys, Kit, you've been quiet on this one. What are your What are your thoughts and feelings? You've been writing some stuff down. Uh, not really. I've just been doodling, actually. They're okay. very nice doodles, I must say. Thank you. Thank you. Any uh, good notes in there? Not especially. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot to chew on in this movie, like like another son of Sam. I was just like, writing down names of characters for a while, and then then stopped. Then descriptions. Yeah, this film is 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 competently made, but also competently light on a lot of things. It's not like another son of Sam with like all the little regional touches of like windows and uh, and uh, terrible police officers and stuff like that. By the way, uh, another son of Sam. We recorded it. It's not come out yet. It's going to come out in November after our October uh, horror fest is done. Um, but it is the continuation of our true crime series that started with um, 
the Zodiac Killer and continued with Copycat and is going to finish up with the documentary The Killing of America. So, um, which I almost want to do as a Christmas movie, but we'll see. Yikes. Mm -hmm. So, guys, Phil, final thoughts on Psycho Cop Returns. Psycho Cop Returns. Um... It's uh, very uh, knowingly campy, and uh, I was entertained. Yes, that's what we want to hear. I'm slowly breaking Phil down. You would have been like, this was stupid uh, like six episodes ago, but now you're like, what I was entertained. It's stupid. It's but still it's entertainingly stu- stupid. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. A, l- a little too self-aware, but at the same time... For, for, uh, for what was meant to be a direct-to-video... Um, movie and also yes. probably played on I'm guessing it probably played it at some point on like uh, Cinemax or HBO or the Movie Network or uh, USA's Up All Night program from probably. the 90s oh I miss those days of finding like random weirdness on the mov- on the movies on TV and uh, Kit what are your final thoughts uh, I don't know yeah you yeah, know what? this one it's almost like a it's like a uh, like a Andrei uh, Zulowski film, right? Like you need to think about it for like a good week. <laughs> like, no, uh, obviously no not. No, or... I just I never know how I feel about this type of uh, satire slash humor. Mm-hmm. Um, the the knowingly bad type stuff. The let's tell a bunch of terrible jokes and that's the joke itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still left with just a bunch of bad jokes and like a film with cheesy characters and obvious plot lines and stuff like that. But it almost like becomes that. reflexive upon itself and, it, and therein it becomes almost a satire where it's like the jokes are bad but they're bad to the point of being funny because they are bad. Well, it's just... I, I always I always like to imagine that this stuff's actually happening and... <laughs> no, for real. And you would kind of say and do these things sometimes, wouldn't you? In situations like that? Not and likely, no. I don't, it's just... I don't, just I, I don't know. I know I've talked to myself in elevators quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've talked about, like, you know, I'm going to turn you off, Fawcett, and then you're going to be off for a while. But there's, like, there's a lack of sincerity with... good. There's yeah. a lack of sincerity with this type of film, which yeah, it makes it, uh... And, and... I don't know, hard for me mm-hmm. to get into as much. And then, like, the jokes itself are just that it's a bad movie. Like, that's the big joke. And I do have to say that... The, like, there's never any clever lines or really no. witty situations or anything. The acting is bad. The Rodney um, King thing, that that's the thing that, like... It's, that, that's it's, that, like, it's, it's seemingly... Like it's like a, nice a veneer of uh, poignancy. But what are they even saying? They're not saying anything. But they're, but they're, they're just they're, like, that's topical. Ref- I know, but... Here's but, a reference. But here's the thing. In any movie you're going to see, you would not expect to see a reference to the whole Rodney King... LA riot situation but in Psycho Cop Returns. It, it doesn't make it a smart film, if if that's the. It point makes it a making. reflexive film. I'm not, I'm not I, saying I, it's I smart. I think the only thing it says in that scene is that like it's a cop revenge fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about it. That's as yeah. deep as the film gets, which which is fine. Mm-hmm. But again, it just leaves me like I'm. Yeah. I never need to see this also, film I, again. I, oh, I know. I also I also do have to say that this is made in that nadir of like bad movies from like. 19, I'd say 89 up until about 1996 where like if you go back and watch like there's a certain level of movies that this falls into where it's like they're just not good they're 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 neither fish nor fowl I guess they're not an 80s movie and they're not really a 90s movie they're like still trying to make that 80s type of movie but in the 90s when it doesn't really work and the type of acting like the sincerity isn't there well like because if this was in like 85 or above or even 88 and above there would be a sincerity to the scenes and like people would try and work on those jokes and make them actually funny but in this case they're like well we're just making a crappy B movie so we're just gonna ham it up whereas like in the 80s like there was a chance that it could become an actual theatrical hit well whereas, I think like Starship Trooper I think this would yeah. be a good comparison to that it's 
basically that style of film, except uh, lower budget. Um, mm-hmm. And Starship Troopers was 97, and it was made by a proper satirist in uh, yeah. Paul Verhoeven. Right. Uh, but it, in a way, this resembles uh, better made satires like They Live, for example. Um, hmm. Are you saying you don't like the satire label for They Live? I don't. Okay. I, 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 li- like, I like They Live a lot. I don't think well, it's, it's satire. Well, it's satire in the meaning... I think it has satirical that, elements. Yeah, satirical elements, social commentary, and stuff like that. But it's also mm-hmm. kind of knowingly silly at times. Yes, like the fight scene that goes on for like 16 minutes. Yeah, that's what I mean. And it his one-liners yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that in a way that that's that kind of, It's the same kind of a film where it's... I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And, and I'm all I'm out of bubblegum. Bubble yeah. Such a great moment. So it's sort of R. like R. that, where it's Roddy, a little Roddy over Piper. the top, a little... Yeah, R.I.P. Roddy Rowdy. It's been a couple of years, but still, we, you are missed. Um, I don't know. But you, you think of a film like Get Even, for example, where you discover this film, and it's mm-hmm. just so... And they're, it's but, poorly and they're made, trying, but they're trying. But it's there's a sincerity. Yes. Like, that's, they're, that's they're the trying that to is, make something that's really good, that and they the make something that that's lacking, not good. Is that, like, this guy, the, this film is clearly meant to be like, we're making a comedy, it's going to be a big, broad thing. It's Because it, it, even though it's... it I don't even think this is a horror film even though it's it's always been in the horror section and referenced to as one i'm like but it's not even attempting to be it's scary. more of a thriller than anything else so. yeah i wonder if like the whoever find back the film like they came with the expectation like okay we're gonna make a horror film but then like adam rifkin had Just other ideas yeah well i think that they were also trying to make you know what was known as the classic cable film so there's mm-hmm. like there's a good segment of boobs in this movie there's some outrageous gore there's some hacky one-liners and it's it's that kind of film like uh beastmaster or uh what's like best of the best or one of those like you know tv cable hit movies like basic cable classics like you know that would play on showcase or something ad nauseum like snake eater or snake eater 2 or snake eater 3 yeah, sure, but it, again, you point out the scantily clad women. There's these s- strippers. They even there. refer to them as like, "How come they're not wearing any clothes?" And yeah. the guy says, "They are wearing clothes. They're just Kid, what do scantily you want them clad." Why are we wearing? They're at a bachelor no, party. No, I know, but their their whole presence in the movie is mm-hmm. kind of a comment on on films that Graham's exactly, describing. Like, yeah. But it's not deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It's not like saying, "Oh, you know, this is this is like." Um, it's uh, it's that's the thing. It's like it's, a, a it's culture steeped in toxic masculinity, but, uh, and this is the byproduct. It's not saying any of no, that. No, no, I know. It's like, well, we like them too. They're here. Woo! Yep. It is it's very a celebration. Much, of it that. is very much. A, I wouldn't say it's a celebration. I'd say it's a very low hanging fruit thing where it's like we're gonna hit all these points, and yeah, it's just like the teenagers going to the cabin and each of them having that scene. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it's a parody. It's like a satire. I get I get that element. But, of but it. I, and I would agree with you, Kit, that it is a as a as a satire. I actually think it fails. Yeah. Yeah. It's very superficial. It's, it's, it's to me. It's it's a curio of early '90s hubris. So, Lillian, what are your final thoughts on Psycho Cop Returns? I don't know. I don't think there's anything else to say, but it was fun. I think out of everyone here, you and I liked it the most. <laughs> No, the guy, you I guys agree. enjoyed it. You guys, whatever, for I, what I, it was. Yeah, I was baffled by it. Uh, we, we, we smoked a little uh, Thanksgiving treat there right before the film started, and so for the first half hour I was like... A little wishbone? Well, just like tilting my head like, what am I even watching here? <laughs> that, is really? the, that, that is the genius of these movies, though, is that we, we, they are made by... They're, they're almost outsider art to a degree. I wasn't sure if it took itself seriously at first or not, and then, yeah, no, it definitely doesn't, but a little too much, and... It's a hard line to walk. Yeah. And I think this one walks it 
It, I think it staggers back and forth over that line, but I think more often than not, it hits you in the entertaining zone. It's like what Evil Dead 2 is going for, too. Same kind of idea. Don't compare this movie. Evil Dead 2 is miles above this film. But it, you know what I mean? Like, it's... Like, it kind of goes like where, like, the Chucky movies went. Like, Chucky movies started as horror, and then they started, like, ah, mm-hmm. there's, there's nothing scary about a killer at all. It's just, like, play this for laughs. Yeah, it becomes a yeah. parody of itself, yeah. but this is mm-hmm. just, it starts as a parody of itself. And if we compare this to, like, Maniac Cop, where for the most of the movie, the Maniac Cop is actually shrouded in, you, you don't know what he looks like. So, like, the presence of a police officer in any scene has always left you with great concern. Because we also weren't initially sure in Maniac Cop, or at least you guys weren't. Or Lillian wasn't. If it was Bruce Campbell, if it was William Smith. By the way, William Smith from Get Even, Normad is in Maniac Cop. The, this guy, our uh, officer inbred, he looks like a Bruce Campbell stand-in a little. Uh. Yeah, he, he, he has, has a, a prominent. He's uh, attempting change. to be Bruce Campbell, but missing the mark. Yeah, I mean, just like a stand-in, just for like blocking scenes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> the Bruce Campbell uh, lighting uh, stand-in. So, uh, Lillian, any more final thoughts? I don't know. Uh, I didn't think it was so. I, I didn't. I don't hate it. I can see why people would enjoy it, but I don't know. It's not really my type of humor. One side of the room is shooting daggers at you, Kit. <laughs> the other side is you. Cool. I enjoyed it. Sorry, I missed that part. I enjoyed it for what it was, if anything. I know. Sometimes you just got to sit back and enjoy a film with your friends, which is what this was today. We all had a good laugh. I think as you said... a terrifying chase scene. Yeah, the chase scene. And I also think... Here's the thing. <laughs> How is that terrifying? Wait, 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 wait. Check your privilege, Kit. The length whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, check, check my your, privilege. Because yeah. here's the thing that, that you have to understand, because I've been reading a lot upon the whole dichotomy. But here's, here's the situation is that to us, it's goofy. But to a girl, Lillian... It could be terrifying because he's a big, brawny dude chasing a woman who is very small and, and lithe, and we don't know what that's like because we're all big, you know, five ten to six foot tall guys. Like we've well, got not just that, but I imagined like he was chasing her around the building for a while, and she had to go up the stairs, down the hall, into this room, into that room, just. And there was a scene where he was chasing her down the corridors, and she's going around this corner and that corner, and he's just laughing and taunting her and it's it's i just i don't know i imagine that stuff actually happening and it's terrifying well okay well if it was actually happening but it got farcical it was elongated Again. after a while they're just it also just shows what a maniac he is right sort of but you it's also psycho yeah maniac's the other movie I like i said it would have kind of sucked if that that scene was cut short and it wouldn't have made its point i guess there was a lot of padding in this movie, though. It, it earned each of its 85 minutes. Mostly in the form of TNA set to butt rock. <laughs> right. Butt rock, I like butt that. Rock. Butt rock. If I ever start... Butt rock FM. Yeah. It's more like, it was like crunchy butt metal, even. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. It was more of that, yeah. Yeah. So, guys, come on. We all liked it. We all had fun. We all had a laugh. I saw all you guys smiling at one point or another. Um, and so next week, <laughs> we're like shaking my head, like, like I can't oh, believe this is such it. a great time I'm having here. He loved it. He loved it. <laughs> so, anyways, we'll be back next week with the one, the only William Peter Blatty's Exorcist Part Three, starring George C. Scott and Brad Dourif. 
Brad Dorif, nice. See, now I'm looking forward to this. This is my yeah, kind me too. of yeah, yeah. Have you seen this, Brad? I have seen it. I've on the Blu-ray. I've gone to see it on the big screen a couple times. It is. Uh, You've seen it on the big screen a couple times. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, a couple times. Um, Am I the only one who? I haven't seen Exorcist three. No. I haven't seen Exorcist two either. And it's funny because uh, I recently picked up The Exorcist uh, on one of my walks, and I finished it a few weeks ago. Nice. And I've been wanting to watch The Exorcist again. So was this, this is your perfect. was this your curbed uh, mm-hmm. was this like the curbed VHS stash? Yeah. Uh, the book. Oh, the book. Oh, that's right. You're reading yeah, the book. Nice. Reading the book. I was like, I, 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 I went to my sister. I was like, hey, I'm reading this great book by this uh, writer. It's all the craze. William Peter Blatty. <laughs> It came out like a lot many years ago, but I made it. I pretended like it came yeah. out now. The Exorciser, it's called. Uh. <laughs> the Exorcist. Um, yeah, no. So we'll be watching Exorcist three. It is. Um, uh, oh. It doesn't really hold a pale to the original Exorcist, but it's still great. And so, with all that, I've been Graham. I've been Phil. And I've been Kit. And I've been Lillian. And please be sure to rewind, and we will see you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud, where you can hear all of our episodes. Can they send us a fax if they want to? Oh, no. We don't have a fax number, but if you want to send us an email, we are deathbyvideo at gmail.com. Deathbyvideopodcast at gmail.com. Sorry. Yeah. So anyways, um, up to you. Then we can print it out and then send it as a fax. Yeah, we'll fax (laughs) it to ourselves. Yeah. Anyways, guys. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Bye.